Has the story of your love life taken an unexpected plot twist? Well, this is the podcast that helps millennials rewrite the story of their love life by learning simple strategies for starting and maintaining a healthy relationship. Through candid and unscripted conversations, we provide tools to help navigate the twists and turns of dating and relationships. Are you ready to flip the script on your love life? If so, sit back, get comfortable, and enjoy another episode of the Love Unscripted Podcast. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Love Unscripted Podcast. I'm your host, Joseph Wilson. And I'm joined as always by my esteemed colleague, Dexter J. Tucker. What's going on, fam? How y'all feel? And this is the podcast where we have unscripted conversations with millennials about relationships and dating. So if you guys joined us last week, you heard some sad news that we are no longer doing the season format. But you also got a good pick me up that we're just going to keep rocking with the podcast until kingdom comes. So there's no more um season breakdown but we will stop periodically to do recaps and if you heard last week's episode we pretty much just did a full recap of season six which was our biggest and most action-packed information-packed season that we've had so far and was called upgrade we talked about different ways throughout a, a 25 episode season on how you can upgrade yourself not worry about other people how you can upgrade yourself so that you can be in the best position to be able to um experience love for yourself and experience love and other people with other people so if you haven't go ahead stop go listen to that episode so you can get caught up so you can get uh some of the jokes because some of the jokes are running through the through the uh, season, so you gotta you gotta listen to some of those to keep up. So, uh, Dexter, how you doing? How you been feeling? I've been good. I've been good, man. I'm, I'm starting a new hobby. Starting a new hobby. So, oh, okay. So, hobby. Yeah. so like, um, everybody knows that at this point should know. Now I'm in the anime, like heavy, you know. So I've never read manga before. So I went out and I bought. I got like the whole like. The whole thing for Demon Slayer. So like, I'm missing like a couple of them because like they weren't available yet. But I'm gonna get started to see how just to see how it how it is, you know, to see what it's like. That'll be like my little self care thing I do every week at the end of the week. So, so yeah. I got a question. This may sound stupid, Uh-oh. but are these the ones where you got to read it from the back to the front? Yep, you got to read it from the back to the front. Oh man! Yeah. See, see, they already say sometimes men are bass backwards. Now we got to. Now you're over here reading books backwards. Now they really gonna come after us. <laughs> Look at so, reading books backwards. <laughs> oh, no, but that's that's cool. That's cool. And I'm glad you mentioned self care. Like I've started getting back out and started walking again. Oh yeah. Like I, like I started back walking. And as many people know, I've started this yoga journey, and it's been life changing for me. It's really helped me just deal with a lot of things I'm dealing with on the inside. And to be able to have an outlet for that, such as yoga, it's it's been life changing. And now I'm adding the walking piece back in. It's starting to be warm. Um, I, I'm not as scared to walk without a mask because before I was like, man, if I'm going to be out here potentially catching coronavirus, I need to be sure I have a mask on. But yo, it's hard to walk 
with a mask on. Like, even when you're in the grocery store, sometimes I got to slow down and be like, man, <laughs> moving a little fast. I don't know about y'all, if y'all going to be honest like that, but some of y'all be a little hot under there. So um, I'm glad the weather's getting nice and getting warm. Um, I don't know if outside is getting more safe, but hey, I'm taking the mask off. Um, I'm, I'm going to get out there, start walking because health is well. Uh, I'm going to try to, uh, is there enough time to get a summer body? I mean, is it too late to get a summer body? Is there still enough time? Like, we still got time. We, got time. we still got time. Okay. Got time. As long as you get it by the end of summer, end. I think, does that, does that count? Okay. We still got, we got some time. time. Got so, time. yeah. So guys, don't forget that self-care is getting warm. Go ahead and get outside. But guess what? We're going to go ahead and continue on with these great conversations that you guys showed up for. Um, once again, I just want to thank everybody who's who's been vulnerable and willing to have these conversations. Yes. But we got another great guest that I'm going to go ahead and get in here. We're going to keep it going. This is the first guest of the new. I don't even want to say season. I can't see season more. What do we say? Like, all right, hold on. Let me let me get them in here. We'll figure that. All right. So, yes, go ahead and introduce yourself for everybody. Hi, so my name is Tanisha Johnson, aka TJ Self Care. I'm the founder of TJ Self Care and I'm your codependency expert. I'm the first time author of the book entitled When Depression and Anxiety Have a Voice, a social worker and a self care coach. Okay, I love it. So, since she is the self care coach, could you, what is your self-care routine look like? We kind of shared ours a little bit. I started doing yoga. Dexter is actually taking some time to get his inner zen and started reading backwards. But uh, <laughs> what is your, your self-care routine look like? Oh my God. You know, people always ask me that. And I think because my primary focus is emotional self-care, I focus a lot on just taking care of me, like as far as like setting boundaries, making sure I'm not overextending myself to people, like making sure that I'm always, every day I'm waking up and I'm asking myself, what does Tanisha want to do today? You know, or what does Tanisha feel like in her spirit today? And just kind of like allowing myself to go with it. But when I think about physical self-care, it's funny this conversation is coming up because I've actually been working a lot on my physical self-care and my health and everything. So I've been walking every day, like three to five miles a day. Oh. And I just started lifting weights, which is kind of scary because I'm like, I ain't trying to be buff out here, you know? <laughs> <laughs> But everybody's like, if you just start with like the low weight, like it'll help. So I'm like, okay. So I experiment with weights last week and this week. I love it. Listen, there's no way, there's no wrong way to do self care. Is I, I tell people like sometimes people make it so complicated and have a whole schedule to now the schedule is almost like a master over them. And they feel bad if they don't do it. But no, like I tell everybody for me, one of my self-care things is walking through Best Buy. I just like looking at electronics. So that's one of the things I enjoy doing. That's part of my self-care routine. So I also want the guests to get to know you a little better. So I got some either ors or would you rather questions. So would you rather go out for a night on the town with friends or would you rather have everybody at someone's house just enjoying a movie, having food, kicking it at the crib? Let me see. I think I would rather kick it at the crib. Okay. Cool, cool. So here's another one. Fine dining 
or a hole in the wall uh, mom and pop uh, restaurant? Uh, who am I with? <laughs> Anybody, like, which do you prefer? Open question. Okay. Oh, oh, see, that was hard for me because when it's somebody I'm really, really like vibing with, I don't care where we at. Like, especially like if the conversation is good and the food is good, we can be wherever. But if it's somebody that like I kind of already don't like, then yeah, I want to be at like fine dining. <laughs> I love it. I love it. See, I was always like a, a hole in the wall kind of place. Like I, even when I was daddy, I go to random. Like I didn't like going to the major restaurants. I like food that's like mom and pop made it. It's like a lot of people don't know. I need the I need the menu to be made out of paper and kind of falling apart. Like that's what I need. Like if the menu's not falling apart, if it's laminated and looks too clean, I'm like their food may not be all that good. Like that's how I am. So, uh, summertime is getting here. We're about to be out. Oh. A lot of people are trying to spend more time outside. So, Man. what is your favorite summertime beverage of choice? What do you like to drink in the summer? Oh, that's a good question. Like, we talking about alcohol or just regular? Anything. What Anything. Uh, I really like Icy's. I hope you oh. guys don't laugh, but... <laughs> It's just something about like a cherry icy, especially from 7-Eleven when it's hot. Oh my god, like I'm like in heaven. Like listen, listen. About a month ago, me and my wife got into an argument about me having the super jumbo ices. Like, do you have to get the big one? <laughs> like yes. the huge one? Because also I was like, nah, I'm gonna try to lose a little weight or something. But I go in there and get the, the giant one. But they were 99 cents. If I got the small one, it was 99 cents. If I got the big one, it was 99 cents. So I just figured, Might hey, well. I'm this 99 cent work for me. <laughs> I just and got that. But I am with you. I definitely enjoy um, the ICs. I'm definitely on that train. Last question. Um, Auntie, Auntie Rona is almost about left the building. Uh, other countries are starting to open up. States are starting to open up. Once you feel comfortable, or even if you're comfortable already, where's one place you want to be able to travel to be able to get out and relax? So a place that I'm really looking forward to going to this summer is Vegas. I'm really looking forward to going to Vegas. Okay. I'm in the Bay Area, and so it's just like an hour ride for me. And I was so sad last year that I didn't get a chance to go. I always go to Vegas. <laughs> Hey, I was going to ask you, what would you do in Vegas? But guess what? What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. So we will leave that question there for the wandering minds to inquire. So, so that's just a little bit about Tanisha. Thank you for being a good sport. Um, that's just a little bit about her. So we're going to go ahead and get into a topic today that, um, as you heard, she's a, a codependency expert and Codependency is one of those things that I don't think gets talked about enough because of the different disguises that get put on it. Some people may use the term, I'm just ride or die. Um, I love hard. Um, I'm in it to win it. These are all things that I hear in these type of relationships where one or both partners are codependent on each other. So first and foremost, before we get deeper into the into the topic, what is codependency when we're talking about relationships? 
So codependency is like it's really like a behavior pattern that someone has to constantly feel the need to put others' needs before their own. Um, and it is a relationship-based type of behavior. And so what ends up happening is in every relationship, whether it be like an intimate partner, friend, coworker, you know, colleague, whomever, that person always feels the need to put that other person's needs first before their own. Mm. Okay. That's really good. So, so, Oh, I hate when my brain splits. I get like two questions at the okay. same time. So Dexter, I'm gonna let you go first while I figure out which one I want to ask. You know what? I'm glad you you like defined it. And the, the the biggest thing that stuck out to me was behavior patterns because in our culture, in, in whatever matter to the relationship is, whether it's platonic or romantic, a lot of us don't recognize those patterns because we don't know how to identify what a pattern is because it's just like, oh, it's okay because. That's just how they are. And I'm just such a loving person and blah, 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 and whatnot. So since we've defined it, like, how do you know when you're in a codependent relationship? Like, what are the signs that you should look for when you're trying to identify if you're in a codependent relationship? So when you are in a codependent relationship, the codependent will constantly feel like their needs are not being met. Um feel like the urge to be doing more. They feel like what they do in the relationship is never enough. Um, feeling like you can't trust the other person like wholeheartedly and just be vulnerable about how you feel. Um, and a big one for codependence too is being vulnerable about our needs um, and what we need. Um, many codependents don't know what they need, which is why the codependency in the relationship develops because the other person has a list of needs that they're very verbal about, you know, communicating very well. I want this, I want this, or this is wrong with my life, or, you know, however that's. Mm -hmm. And so that it feels like this perfect combination in the beginning because the codependent is appearing to have no needs. And then this other person has all these needs. So the codependent feels like, well, I'm going to help them with all these things. And then once I do that, they're going to be this awesome person that loves me. And the sad thing that happens is codependents tend to connect themselves to people who don't have the ability to be able to sustain a lot of areas of their life, you know? And so you always, the codependent is always in a position where they're helping, whether it be emotional, you know, financial, physical, like they're always like in a position where this person can never step up to the plate and be what they need in the relationship. Hmm. So, so think about it. A lot of people, when we're in the early dating phase, people tend to go above and beyond, become very helpful, become very outgoing in order to be viewed favorably in a relationship. So how is that different than how is being codependent different than somebody just wanting to put their best foot forward? Because I can see how someone may get confused on that dynamic. So the, uh, that's a great question. So the biggest difference is the codependent doesn't have any boundaries. So the average person is like, say, for example, if you go on a date with someone and that person is like, you know, oh, after the first date, like, oh, well, come back to my house. You know, I want to, you know, 
Netflix and chill or whatever. Like a person that has boundaries, who knows what they want in the relationship, they may be like, oh, that sounds like a good idea, but I'm not ready to move that way yet. You know, can we do something else? But the codependent out of fear will agree to do whatever the other person is asking them to do because it's fear-based. They feel like if they don't perform to a certain level, your relationship, you know, will be non-existent. Oh, that's big. Yeah, that's that's big because like hearing it, I think a lot of us have been either a codependent or been the person that's been giving to the codependent at some point in time in our relationships, whatever it looks like. And I think just hearing us talk about it, I think the, the best way to describe it is that codependents are chameleons. And yeah. what ends up happening is like you keep forming yourself to the nature of the person that you're with for the hope of getting everything that you need because you're depending on this person to give you everything that you need, but you really don't know what you need. You just right. know what you need based on what this person wants. And you just end up losing yourself because you have no real identity about who you are because it's always dependent upon the moment. Right. So, so let me hit on some, I want to stay right here because this is really good. So you mentioned that there's an inner struggle going on because they're doing something for somebody, but kind of also expecting it or wanting it to be reciprocated, but is not. Tell me about that internal battle that goes on within somebody who is struggling with this, because it's got to be difficult to one, not have the boundaries to say no to certain things, but also still being so eager to help and wanting to uh, be there for somebody. You mentioned fear too. So tell me what's, what's the inner struggle like? Yeah, man. So I, I chuckle because I have lived it unfortunately. And so, well, not unfortunately, but you know, I, I have firsthand experience. So it's like the, so it kind of feels like, you know, this, like you feel like you have a potential person right in your life that can love you, but you yourself you don't feel lovable. And so you feel like you have to do all these things in order to get this person to see how great you are. And in the beginning, in the beginning when they're giving you all, all these positive vibes and affirmations, you're thinking things are going well. So you're you're doing well in the relationship. But as soon as like you don't show up for them or you you can't do something and that person even gives you just a little bit of like you know, an angry face or they don't text you back. It's all this anxiety that happens within the codependent because they're feeling like, oh my God, you know, like I didn't show up. I didn't do this. Now they're not going to call me anymore. Now they're not going to want to be around me anymore. And you literally are kind of like on this seesaw where you're up and down based on your partner's emotions and responses. Mm. That sounds exhausting. It is. Like it sounds tiring. Like, I'm just listening to that and I'm putting myself in that position. And it's like, when do you catch a mental break? It's like, so it's like a back and forth battle that the other person on some level may not be aware of, but you have this whole, you have a whole scene in your head on what's happening. So yeah. I have another question. How does somebody even become codependent? Like, how does that process happen? So codependency forms in our childhood years, like normally between zero to five. Um, so in order to in order to be a codependent, you have to come from a background of having a parent or caregiver that had a mental health condition, um, physical disability, struggle with drugs and alcohol, 
um, a teen parent who is trying to figure themselves out while they're also trying to raise you, um, or even just a parent that is like emotionally unstable. Um, and what ends up happening is because that parent is exhibiting a lot of those up and down behaviors that we talked about, the child learns early on that, okay, in order to survive, I have to be able to monitor this person's behavior and then respond based on that behavior. So say, for example, it's like people who grew up in alcoholic homes, it's like, well, your mom or dad is drunk you may just like stay in your room or be quiet or mm -hmm. act like you don't have any needs because you don't want to aggravate them, right? Whereas when they're good, then you're good and you're connecting with them. And it's those patterns that we talked about that continue to form up until our adult life. And unfortunately, until we recognize them, it's just a cycle that continues in every relationship we have. Wow, that's, that's, that's just, that's, that's crazy because to think about it, like like Joe said, like putting yourself in those shoes, like it's just like to be a child and to be in that space where you feel like everything's dependent on how this person is at the, same, at, the, at the point in time, especially when it comes to a parent who's supposed to be there for you, who's supposed to form you in those formative years and you're doing everything you can to make sure that they're okay. It's basically like the roles have been reversed to where now you're the parent and they're the child. And so, like, how do you, like, what are the, I know we've already talked about it already, but, like, what are the disadvantages on both sides of being in a codependent relationship? So the disadvantages are you you never really are in a relationship where you feel loved and valued for who you are, uh, because for one, you don't know who you are. Um, and then for two, like, uh, you know, just because of how nature is, like, codependents always get connected to a lot of people who are narcissists or who are using them to a certain level. And so they never really get a chance to experience, um, you know, what real love is and how relationships should be like reciprocity and not one person feeling like they're putting more into it than the other. Mm -hmm. um, Another big disadvantage is just like the anxiety, you know, that you feel um, in all your relationships, feeling like you're never giving enough, that people aren't happy with who you are. Um, and I love how you said it, too. Um, like when you said, like, you know, the chameleon, it's like you're constantly trying to conform to what you think people want you to be. Um, and so you lose yourself you know, when you are codependent. Um, I'm 37 and I feel like I just realize who I was like when I was 33 years old. Like, I just started loving myself four years ago. <laughs> and you know what's crazy? I, I'm a marriage and family therapist, so I'm a, a systems theory. Like I believe that there are patterns that families go through and I see cycles. Um, they just stick out to me as a clinician. And what is so interesting is that even kind of going back to how does someone become codependent, the patterns that you form early are kind of the, the foundation for how you actually relate to people outside of your family. Right. And one thing that you mentioned that was really good, I hope people understand, I want to go a little deeper into that, is the pattern part. Yeah. Like, so when I see my parents do something in order for me to kind of regulate where I am, I try to predict what they'll need so that they won't be mad, upset, angry, won't treat me bad. So yeah. as I get older, I, I exhibit that same behavior pattern with friends, with yeah. teachers, 
Then you get into the workforce with a boss. And then when you start dating and try to get out there in a relationship world, you try to do the same thing. But what you don't realize, by the time you hit 20, between 20 and age five, you've had 15 years of perpetuating a cycle that has not been beneficial. And it puts you in that. I want to say it, it. it's not intentional, but it happened intentionally because of what we did to try to regulate ourselves. And it's, it's just so interesting that patterns happen in all different ways. Sometimes they're good. Sometimes they're not. And understanding that even with patterns, patterns can be broken. That's the good thing about them, that we can actually predict that, hey, this is where you are not setting your boundaries. What would it look like if you set a boundary right here with this person versus going ahead and going along with the plan? I just find that to be so encouraging. And in clients I work with, they find that to be very encouraging as well, because essentially it's just something that we just like you just do. Mm-hmm. It's not really something I think about that I'm doing, but I am doing it. It's just a pattern that I fall in. So I just want people to understand that even with this, it's, it is a pattern. But you can break patterns. Patterns are breakable. And as long as you're able to stick with certain um, guidelines and boundaries for yourself and other people, you can definitely be able to um, break out of that. Um, Are there a certain type of people that are more likely to be codependent than others? I know you mentioned the, the environment, but are there certain personality types um, that are more likely to be codependent than others? Um, I'm trying to think. I hate to say it too, because that's but like people who are like extra giving, you know, like it seems like nothing really phases them, kind of go with the flow. They're kind of more likely, you know, to maybe, you know, be codependent. Um, because a lot of times that go with the flow, there's no boundaries. And and it's like you're going with the flow, but you down in your heart, you really don't like the flow, but you're not mm-hmm. verbalizing it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, people that don't verbalize their needs, um, they might be codependent. And and thank you for saying it because sometimes it can be difficult to <laughs> to put it out there. Yeah, people have to hear themselves in in the comment. I'm glad I put you on the spot with that because when people ask me stuff like that, I'm like, "Why are you gonna make me say this in front of all?" (laughs) But it's going to help somebody. People have to know that just because you are giving does not mean it's healthy. Mm -hmm. It does not always mean that it's a beneficial practice. Yes, society says you should be a giving person. Yes, we've been taught from a child it's nice to share and to give your things willingly and things of that nature. But it's not always beneficial. Yeah. And and people who are not likely to speak up for themselves, they have to know that that's you. Like, if that's you, (laughs) then you are likely to fall into this pit trap. And we just care and love you enough to to name it and say it. Yeah. Even even like we had a, a couple episodes back talking about sexual trauma. I came straight out and said sexual trauma. I didn't try to fluff it up because, as we know, People like to cover up things or don't want to identify it directly. And if we can't identify these things directly, then people who need help and need just resources and tools don't get them. So I want to get a little bit into your story. Like how 
what was the process of coming out of that codependency for you? Like, what were some things that worked for you? Just share our, share your story with us. Okay. Well, my um, so my story was a little bit complex. I actually fell into a depression. One of the reasons why my book title is "When Depression and Anxiety Have a Voice" um, is because that's when I actually realized I was codependent. Um, and I went to therapy for the first time. And so I was in grad school uh, getting my master's in social work and I wanted to continue, um, you know, to be a licensed clinical social worker. And so the idea of going to therapy just felt kind of like defeating for me because I was like, I'm studying this stuff. I should know this. And silly me, I'm thinking I can fix myself. So I'm reading all these books. And I'm watching YouTube and, you know, I'm talking to all my friends and stuff. And I'm like, okay, this is depression. No big deal. I just have to snap out of it. <laughs> that was my first mindset. Um, and of course, I did not snap out of it. It got worse. Um, and when I went to therapy, like everything I was talking about was always related to other people. And my therapist was like, have you heard of codependency? And I was like, no, it's that. And, you know, she explained what it was. And. Then she started talking about like Al-Anon meetings and all these like different codependency support groups. So I tried one and I sat in the meeting and I was like, damn, yeah, I'm supposed to be here. <laughs> like the things I was hearing, the stories, everybody was like, my husband does this and, you know, so-and-so does that. And all my kids just run over me. And I was like, wow, there's other people that feel like people run over them too. Like, cause I was feeling like that too. And I just thought it was normal. I had just said, well, I'm a giving kind person. This is just what comes with that. You know, the idea of boundaries was non-existent to me. You know, I didn't even know what boundaries was. And so to tell somebody no just felt like a horrible thing. Um, but I was so burned out myself that I could just no longer sacrifice myself. And so I went through this process of going to codependency support groups and therapy. Um, and then I got a coach. Um, and yeah, it was like a five-year process, but it was worth it in the end. Man, that's that's amazing. Like to like to to recognize it because so many people like we try to put an age limit on it, but but it's just like when you recognize it, that's the that's the gift in it. It's recognizing it for what it is. And I think that the overall theme that that you and Joe both have said is just that boundaries are power. And we don't realize how powerful boundaries are. And it's it's basically a superpower that we all realize that we we, we all don't realize we have it and we don't put it to use because we feel like the word no. When you're a codependent, you feel like the word no is harmful. You feel like you shot somebody in the head when you say the <laughs> word no. Like you feel like you've murdered somebody if you say the word no. But that's there's nothing wrong with saying that word when your no helps you and their no is going to help them because you're setting that boundary because there's power in the word no. Like, and then you give so much of that power away when you don't say no. And it's so important to understand those boundaries because it helps, it helps your relationships and it helps you get rid of the people in your life that are, that are further fueling that codependency in you. So that way you can make room for the people that are open to what you need. Right. And, and you know, what's crazy, Tanisha, 
<laughs> I went through the same thing when I finally went to therapy. It's like, yo, I'm I'm a therapist. I, I know this stuff. Maybe let me try to do the same stuff I tell other people. To do. It doesn't work. Like we need to start a support group for people who are in the field who still need to go. And because that's even one of them things with us where we're so giving to other people, but we're not willing to give ourselves the gift of talking to a therapist or getting resources or getting out of whatever happy cycle we're in. That it, it talk to 10 therapists, they'll be like, especially if they've went to therapy, they're like, man, there was at one point where I was like, I should know this. But I mean, it's I've never seen a surgeon operate on themselves. Like, right. We, we don't think it's weird when like dentists have their own dentists. They're not in there drilling, giving themselves root canals and stuff like that. But for some reason, we just think we're Superman, a superwoman that we can just, oh, let me try this technique on myself and let me see if it works. It doesn't. Listen, I, I tell people our brains are sitting there looking at us like, you think I'm gonna fall for that? <laughs> so, so, so it's just it's just funny. So we're gonna go ahead and jump into our last segment, which is called Flip the Script. And Flip the Script is a segment of the show where our guest provides a simple tool or strategy for how to deal with a specific challenge or situation during the episode. So Tanisha, here's your question: What can someone do to heal from being in a codependent relationship? So the biggest thing that they can do is to get out of the relationship. Um, unfortunately, because codependency is like relationship based, the only way you can really heal and start to be self-aware is to step back from it, you know, and focus more on yourself. Um, it's very difficult for a codependent to heal while they're in a relationship because your mind is conditioned to always think about that other person. Um, so in order to break that, you kind of have to step back and just be in a relationship with yourself. And there you guys have it. Tanisha, thank you for joining us this week. You're welcome. Please let, please let everybody know where they can find you on social media. So I am under TJ Self-Care on Facebook and Instagram, as well as YouTube. Um, or they can go to my page, um, tjselfcare.com. I have a codependency test there. I have a lot of free information. Um, and you can also sign up for a free session if you have more, uh, more questions about codependency. Hey, I love it. You guys, I'm going to put all her information down in the show notes. I'm also going to put her book in my story so you guys can go order that. Please support these. Please support people. It, it, don't just get the free information. Pay for a book. Please. Write a book. Like, do something. So I will put all her information down in the show notes so you guys can have that. Dexter, how'd you feel about this episode? Good. Good. I I am understanding my power in building boundaries. So that's the that's the that's a beautiful thing both in work and, and family. So it's people about to get mad. That's all I can say. <laughs> definitely, <laughs> definitely. So I just want to thank everybody who took the time to listen to this episode this week. Please head on over to iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher Podcast, comment, rate, and subscribe over there. If you're in podcast land, please head on over to the Love Unscripted HD YouTube channel where you can see the full video for this episode. I thank everybody who took time to be emotional and took time to go deep and just hear this information and have another great conversation with us. So we will see you guys in the next one. Peace. Yeah.